Hello. Uh, today's reading is chosen from the uh, uh, book of Luke, chapter 1, uh, verse 26 to 38, uh, from the Church Bible, page 1025. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent in the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I will read these words in Cantonese, my first language, once again. 天使進去對他說,蒙大恩的你,我問你安,主和你同在了。Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You will, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will, be, will ever fail. I, will, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Well, this morning, we're looking at a passage in the Bible where an angel, a messenger from God, gives a very important, a wonderful message to a young Jewish girl around 2,000 years ago in a town called Nazareth. Now, for some of you, you've heard this message a hundred times before, maybe. But yeah, for some of you, maybe this is the first time that you're hearing this story, wherever group we're in. Um, I pray that God would speak to us this morning. Now, the passage that we're looking at, uh, that was read so well to us earlier, uh, you can actually find them um, in these little Luke's Gospels uh, around the place, uh, pages two to three. Um, I'm actually going to be looking very briefly at something that's happening earlier in the chapter as well, on page one. And as David mentioned, there are worksheets uh, for the children. If you don't have one and you'd like one, maybe the adults as well, uh, then just put your hand up. And then Linda will uh, be able to give you some of those sheets. 
Well, the two headings for this morning, uh, there's no PowerPoint because there's only two headings. Um, one is the message. What is the message? I'm going to give a little bit of an introduction to that one. And then the second point is our response. So the first one is the message. What is it? And then the second is our response. So that first point, the message. Now, we all know what it's like when things break. Okay, We all know what it's like when something breaks. Now, when I was younger, um, I really enjoyed radio-controlled cars and radio-controlled boats. Um, so with the boats, I'd buy the plans. Uh, I'd buy the wood, balsa wood, because it was light. Uh, and I'd cut them to the right size, glue them together. Um, and then I'd make a hole for the, uh, the rudder, another hole for where the propeller shaft goes. And then I'd put the, uh, kind of the servos, the electrics inside, and the battery. And then the bath would come in handy, make sure it didn't sink. And then I'd take it to the local canal, and it was great. But in terms of radio-controlled cars, now they were made out of plastic. And um, the very first radio-controlled car I had was a red safari jeep. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Um, and even though the batteries took forever to charge once they went flat, uh, I just loved driving around kind of the chairs and the tables, going from one room to the other. It was one of my favourite Christmas presents. But after a while, I don't know if this is a boy thing, but I wanted it to go faster. So what I did is I, I took it apart, uh, as you do, and then I added these two powerful batteries. Now, it looked really rough. Uh, it was black with wires and these two yellow batteries that I strapped onto it. Um, but the key thing was it was faster. So in my little world, uh, it was the fastest radio-controlled car in the whole of Neath. That's where I'm from. Um, <laughs> And so, so I took it outside and I drove it around, showed my amazing skills around the garden. Uh, but then, it didn't last long, um, I hit the wall. Um, and I thought, that's okay. Uh, and then with the controller, nothing happened. I could hear the motor kind of going on, but the wheels wouldn't turn. It was broken. So I thought, oh, no, no mind, I'll take it apart again. So I took it apart. And then I realized that when you add a very powerful battery, um, if the wheels stop, the motor doesn't. Um, so there's a plastic thing called a cog, uh, which is a wheel with teeth on it. Uh, and so the motor kept going and stripped all the teeth off it. So there was no way at that time I could fix it. It was broken. There was nothing I could do. It was indeed a dark day in my little world of radio-controlled cars of Neath. I, was, I couldn't fix it. Now, as we get older, um, there are more things we can fix. But even as we get older, there are still things we can't fix, even toys. But more importantly, our physical health, our mental health, our relationships, work, finances, they are broken, and we don't know how to fix them. But with all these things that are broken in our lives, there is one thing, whether we realize it or not, that stands far above them all. You see, if what the Bible says, and we believe it to be God's very words to us, then there is one thing that is more important, more vital than anything else. And that is our relationship with God. But the Bible tells us that it's broken. And like my radio-controlled car, we cannot fix it. We keep breaking God's laws. There is this constant battle between who we want to be and who we actually are, deep down who we are. Not who people think we are, but who we know we are. The person we keep hiding from other people. 
Now, this brokenness in us, this breaking of God's law, is called something. It's, it's called sin. So this is the, uh, sin is this tendency, the, this desire within us to break God's laws, whether we know that or not. Sin is basically where we turn our backs on God. We don't love God as we should. In another passage in the Bible, it says, whoever sins is guilty of breaking God's law because sin is the breaking of the law. Now, even the kindest, most loving person that you know, maybe someone in your family or a good friend, even they have sin in their lives. This tendency, this desire within them to not love God perfectly as they should. Someone who is the kindest and most loving person on the planet today, and someone who is the worst person on the planet today, are both sinful. Yes, one has sinned far more than the other person, but they are both sinful. This is everyone's reality. Now, I've traveled quite a bit um, with, with my work. I've met many people from many nations, and it's lovely to visit people. Uh, but quite often I go to various places and I usually go, yeah, we've got that in Wales, uh, maybe smaller. Um, but, but there's one thing that I've seen uh, that is, we don't have this. It is so impressive and no photo does it justice. It is the Great Wall of China. Not only is it huge, but it actually goes up and around the hills. And I remember just watching going, how did they do that? Even today, it is an impressive structure. And like I said, no photo can capture what it's really like. Now, our sin is a barrier, a bit like that wall. It's a bit like us standing one side of that great wall of China, and God is the other side. You cannot jump over it, and you can't push your way through it. The wall is sin, the barrier between us and God. In another passage in the Bible, it says this, It is your sins that separate you from God when you try to worship him. This is humanity's biggest problem. The God of the universe, the loving God, wants us to live the lives that he created for us, but we can't. The God of the universe, the loving God, wants us to enjoy and delight in the best thing, which is himself, but we cannot. The Bible, however, is not all bad news. The Bible explains that God is going to fix this problem. He's going to remove this barrier of sin. And he removes it by sending a person. The Bible actually gives this person a title. The Messiah, the Hebrew language, which the first part of the Bible is written in. And this word also uh, in the Greek language is Christ. So that's the background. Okay, a bit of an introduction there. Uh, So that's the background to the problem. And into the background, we now have this Bible passage that we're looking at this morning. So an angel appears to a young Jewish girl who is engaged to be married to a Jewish man called Joseph in a town called Nazareth. Now, whatever she's about to be told, the angel says, look, this is going to be amazing. Okay? He says this, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. So he doesn't say what it is straight away. He's just saying, this is going to be awesome. She's then told that she will give birth to a child and call him Jesus. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And Jesus means God saves. So you're thinking, okay, we know there's a problem between us and God. There's a barrier. This is the Messiah. 
Mary is going to give birth to the one who will rescue humanity from our sin. The child will be the one who fixes our relationship with God. This child is the Messiah, the one who will remove this barrier between us and God. He's the war breaker in one sense. This is what the angel carries on saying. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. He is, the Messiah is, the son of God. That is God himself come in human form. Now, throughout the Bible, um, God makes various promises, uh, prophecies of what this Messiah will be like. And what we find out here is actually that Mary's child will fulfill them. The angel carries on. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This was a king kind of earlier, and it says, yeah, and the Messiah will come from this king. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Jacob came earlier in the Bible, and we know that the Messiah would come from Jacob. His kingdom will never end. This is someone very powerful. And the titles that this child has been given has been given to no one else. Now, if we were to carry on reading uh, those kind of Gospels of Luke, which are on your chairs, then we will find out that the child arrives, the Messiah arrives. He lives a perfect life. No sin in him. He never breaks God's law. And then he dies. Actually, he is killed. The Romans who are in charge, they execute him on a cross. He is crucified. But the death is no accident. As the Messiah came to pay the price for our sin, he came to remove this barrier, this wall between us and God. And the payment to do that, to remove this barrier, was death. No one else was able to pay this price for our sin because no other person was without sin. He died in our place on the cross. Now, it's also called the great exchange, okay? The great swap, if that's another word. Now, imagine if a friend of yours gives you a gift. And Christmas time, yeah, that would be great. But imagine if it's not just a gift, a one-way, it's an exchange, it's a swap. So imagine if your friend gives you the best toy you have ever seen, and you receive that, but you give back to your friend the worst toy you have. In fact, it's broken, and it's away in a cupboard, and it's the cheapest, nastiest thing you've got, and your friend plays with that, but you play with the amazing toy. Or imagine that your friend gives you the most stylish item of clothing, most expensive designer label. Okay, I'm imagining these things now. I have no idea what this is. But stylish clothes. So they give you some style, maybe a coat. And you give them the worst coat you've got. The cheapest thing has got holes in it. The buttons have fallen off. And your friend wears that coat, and you wear the amazing coat. Or maybe your friend gives you the keys to their expensive car. I don't know what cars you like, whether Lamborghini or Rolls-Royce, Maybe a Nissan Note. Whatever's the best car that you could imagine, you've got their car. But then you give them the worst car that you have. It's dented. It doesn't really start. You can import your own, kind of make a model of car here. And they drive away in that rough car, but you have this amazing car. Or finally, your friend gives you the keys to their mansion. Multi-million pound mansion. And you're like, wow. But you give them the keys to your home. And your home is horrible. It's got holes in the roof. It's got no windows. And mice have parties in every room. 
And they live in that house. But you live in the mansion. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he took our sin and he gave us his perfect life. We received forgiveness for our sins. He received death. Our broken relationship with God is now fixed if we accept what Jesus has done. So this is going kind of now to the response because it says in another passage in the Bible, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. Those who respond in faith now have life every day. It's not just Christmas, but every day we have access to God, access that will be never taken away. So let's look a bit more detail now into the response. Response. Now, I mentioned briefly that Mary was a young Jewish woman about to be married to a man called Joseph. Now, Mary's name actually means excellence, uh, and she was very, very impressive, actually, in her response to what was about to happen to her. Now, she had probably been praying for the Messiah to come, but she, she would not have been praying for her to have children at that moment. She was probably about 13, 14 years old, and she was engaged. She would have been praying that her marriage to Joseph would be a loving one. And, yes, with time, that she would have children. She was someone, although in that society, of very little importance. Maybe that's how you are feeling this morning. In fact, we're not told much about her. She was young, she was Jewish, and she was a female. These things in that society meant she was unimportant. She also lived in Nazareth. Now, Jews looked down on this town. Foreign traders, the Roman soldiers, would often pass through it. And so in the Jewish eyes, it was seen as not great, since the people had not remained pure and separate from other nations. In fact, later in the Gospels, one of the followers of Jesus, when he finds out that Jesus was from Nazareth, what's his response? Well, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's his response. And that would have been everyone's response. So here was Mary, someone with very low status in a town of low status. And yet it's to Mary that the angel came to tell her that she is the one chosen to give birth to the Messiah. God comes to everyone, even those who seem unimpressive. Now, as well as being an amazing honor, this has huge implications for Mary, huge In that culture, and she wasn't married, if an unmarried woman became pregnant, she would have been shamed by that society. She would forever be known as the woman who had a child outside of marriage. And then her chances of then getting married in that culture would have been very small, which would have meant she would have basically not had security in her life. Once her parents had died, she would have been very vulnerable relying on the kindness of her family and friends. The angel, therefore, is basically saying, I have some amazing news for you. However, for this to come about, Mary, you will be shamed. And therefore, her lovely future of being married, respected, and settling down in a community as an honoured woman will be completely taken away. Now, this amazing news of the Messiah coming into the world could only come about by Mary's sacrifice. But Mary's response is amazing. Here was a young woman who could very easily have said to the angel, "Uh, I think you've got the wrong woman. 
Or maybe she would have said, is there a way of doing this and for me to have a lovely family of my own and for people to think well of me and my husband and my child? However, what she says is this. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, she's not doubting. She's just confused. (laughs) She's not been with a man. So how is God going to do it? There's no doubt in her mind that God can do whatever he wants. She's just saying, I just don't understand how this is going to happen. And we know that her response pleases the angel, pleases God, because the angel answers her question. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Here was a very difficult thing God had told her she would have to go through. And yet she trusts God. She doesn't simply look at the here and now and the problems. She doesn't look at the immediate shame. But rather, she looks at the future. To the amazing future of the child. The Messiah who will allow all people to come back to God. Now that's one response in this passage. But I did mention we're going to look just a little bit earlier than this passage. You see... This was a very godly response from a young woman. A response that we would do very well to emulate, to copy. But there is another response. You see, we've even had a reference to it in this passage in verse 36. We hear the angel saying, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word will come from God that would ever fail. But who is this Elizabeth? Well, if you want to look earlier uh, in page 1, you can see that actually in verses 5 to 25, we learn there's an old couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth is related to Mary, but Elizabeth is considerably older, 60, 70, maybe older than that. And Zechariah, her husband, was a priest in the temple. He was a religious leader, and he was very old as well. They had been praying for the arrival of the Messiah, the wall breaker. Maybe that they would have this child. And yet, no child ever came. Now, Zechariah actually means God remembers. That's what the name means. And Elizabeth, actually, we'll find out, means, actually, I trust in God. So it's quite interesting. Elizabeth, what she does, it's brilliant. What her husband is, well, what he does is not great. While Zechariah was priest, he was serving in the temple. And the angel Gabriel came to him and said to that basically Elizabeth will have a child in her old age. This child will be special. He will prepare the way for the Messiah. This child is not going to be the Messiah, but will simply prepare the way. And this child was called John the Baptist. Now, Zechariah was a religious leader. He knew what the Bible said. And a miracle was going to happen to Elizabeth. Even though she couldn't have children in her youth, she was now going to have a child in her great old age. What is his response? Well, verse 18. He says this. It might sound similar to Mary's response, but it is different. He says this. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. You see, he doubted. Because he said, how can I be sure of this? He knew that God allowed couples in the past to give birth in their old age. The birth of Isaac, of Samson and Samuel. Mary asks, 
How is it going to happen? She's not married. It's a fair enough question. But Zechariah says, how can I be sure? He doubts. What he has heard, he doubts it. How can I be sure what is said? He wants reassurance. Not convinced by what he hears. Now we know Zechariah's response displeases the angel. Displeases God. Because the angel tells him basically, yeah, this is not great what you've just done. And from now on, you are not going to be able to talk. You're going to be mute until the birth and the circumcision of your child. And the name John actually means graced by God. So Zechariah's response is not grace. He was confused and he doubted. Mary's response is confusion and trust. The Christmas message and the message all year is one of restoration. To restore, to fix what was broken. The relationship with God that was broken because of sin has now been fixed. The barrier, the wall has been taken away. And so this passage raises the question, not only how do we respond to this message, but how do we respond in life when things are difficult, when things are hard? How do we respond? Do we respond in confusion and doubt? Do we trust God? Or do we, you know, basically Zechariah doubt? Or as Mary in confusion and trust. Mary did not focus on what she was about to lose, her reputation and standing in society, and the possibility of getting married, because Joseph had every right to call off this marriage, because he thought incorrectly that Mary had been unfaithful to him. Mary did not focus on what she was about to lose, but rather on what she was about to gain. Mary correctly understood that the weight are what she was about to gain, far surpassed what she was about to lose, as difficult as that was going to be. She did focus on what was happening to her. She was about to give birth to a child, which was amazing. But she also focused on the phenomenal, amazing future. We are to do the same. So in the here and now, what do we do? Well, in another passage, it says we are to shine like stars in this world, reflecting the work that God is doing in our lives through the Holy Spirit, bringing peace, joy, and comfort, while at the same time focusing and delighting in what is to come, where we receive our reward of being in perfect relationship with God for eternity. And for those maybe this year who have lost loved ones, who have died in faith, that is what they are receiving at this moment, their reward of being with Christ, of being with God, as we were planned to have. And so, as I finish, the message that the angel brought to Mary affects us all. Firstly, our relationship with the all-loving, all-powerful God has now been fixed because of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The barrier has been taken away. Why wouldn't we want to accept this amazing gift and be giving the life that we were designed, that we were made to live, to know God? And secondly, once our relationship with God is restored, how do we respond to difficulties in life? And there are many difficulties. Do we respond like Zechariah in confusion and doubt, not believing God is truly in control? Or like Mary, in confusion, yes, but this time trusting in God. Trusting in the God who knows all things and works all things for the good of those who love him. The Christmas message is wonderful news for all nations. And as we have a look around here, even at the flags, the gospel is for all peoples. 
It is good news for the hurt. It is good news for the broken. News that the more we dwell and think about actually soothes, heals our broken hearts, brings peace to our troubled minds, and gives joy every day in knowing God. A relationship that even death cannot separate us.